You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This is Charlotte Abate, Emily Ballou, and Samantha Madison Dejas. And this is Young, Scrappy, and Hungry. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Yes. Episode five. We're here. Wow. We finally made it this far. It's <laughs> we're, happening. We're almost done. It's like we just began, but we're almost done at the same time. It's sad. And what a great episode we have for you today. Today, we will be talking about diversity within the theater landscape. Mm-hmm. Now, diversity is really a term that is thrown around a lot, and it means so many things. Um, but today, we're going to look at it from a few different angles and perspectives and sort of talk about what that means to us and the different uh, resources that you can use and have a really cool guest artist coming up a little later in the show, too. So let's get cracking go act one who wants to start i can go ahead and start go for it girl (laughs) so i brought two resources today uh the first one is called finding our way in a world of gender fluidity so there is a lot of conversation there is a lot of conversation there needs to be a lot more action towards um gender casting and specifically um gender and LGBTQ plus representation as well. So this article goes through um, the importance of that and the, how we know the work, but we need to do better. And also just the, the practices of gender bending roles and also the need for more actual representation of lesbian bisexual characters on stage and also mm-hmm. having trans people on stage and having those stories be included um but also like it's kind of a call out to like casting directors in a way of just because you're trying to implement diversity and inclusion in your plays and in your productions doesn't mean that you can just throw in a character just because if that makes sense. So everyone in the show, behind the scenes, on stage, all of it has a purpose. And you can't just throw it in because, oh, we need this character. Well, why do you? And also within audition rooms too, don't you dare just ask like, oh, can you make this character more, you know, insert, you may insert what else there may be into that question, which is so frustrating. And you know what, just answer back, well, why? Mm-hmm. Why do you want me to act it that way? What is it, like, why is it important for me to act it that way? Because there's so many different, the LGBTQ and gender roles are not caricatures. Right. They're real human beings, so treat them as so. Absolutely. So that is the first (laughs) source. She went off. I went off. That was a spiel. (laughs) But um, 
the second re the second resource is called creating an anti-racist performing arts classroom decolonizing and diversifying the performing arts and it's a resource and database collection so it offers different resources and databases how to decolonize and diversify theater and drama classrooms as well as dance studios mm -hmm. so it gives a lot of um it gives a lot of different research for like decolonizing gender and decolonizing your syllabus, activist classrooms, um, ways to decolonize your bookshelf and so much more and decolonizing your music room too. So for this, even though this sounds like it would be perfect uh, for aspiring educators and practicing educators right now, we can all really learn from this within our rehearsal spaces, within our rehearsal meetings, within our team meetings, and within our um, within our production processes as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are my for sure the resources. Anyone else want to share y'all's? I can go. <laughs> um, my sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Um, the dog. <laughs> um, my first resource um is a podcast episode actually um from BPN and it was it's called uh, the podcast is called Cause and Effect and it is episode three, um and basically. Um, the host and their guests talk about um, allyship and their experiences with growing as allies and learning. And it, it's, it's a great um, talk to just listen to um, how people have grown into being better allies and um, checking themselves and um, making better, better moves for um to support marginalized communities um, when you are the privileged um, party. So um, I don't know. It's just an interesting listen and definitely check it out. And then um, my second resource is a um, article that also is connected to BPN. It's from The Ensemblist. And the article is um, three ideas for um allyship sorry three ideas for allyship in the theater and it basically talks about more like the business side of theater um and how um actors and even just like people in general in theater can make moves and make a difference in um creating a more um diversified and um supporting community and um it's a it's an interesting read and i think um it definitely offers some really helpful information on moves to make so check it out awesome. emily <laughs> sure so the first resource that i'm bringing to the table today we have actually mentioned it a little bit in a previous episode when we had stephanie everett on as a guest and this is the sappho project which is uh, this really great uh, new sort of group and collective that they are working on. And they have a fantastic website and blog uh, at thesappholeproject.com. We'll link it in the episode bio. 
And here there are really, uh, really great opportunities and postings for upcoming festivals and workshops and different awards uh, for theater artists who um, identify um, themselves as artists of color and women and uh, gender nonconforming musical theater makers are really helping answer that call for more works for more of the voices that we don't really hear about very often and are not given the opportunities to be heard from. And I really enjoy the blog that they have. It's new and up and coming. And so they are rolling out new content every week or so. And I highly recommend everyone checks that out, uh, both if you are yearning for a resource that really speaks to your identity that you come with and also looking for more uh, shows and plays and just uh, writings and readings from other people. So that's really great. And then the second resource I have is for actors and it's called the Encompass Collective. And this group is a group of teaching artists who were actually trained at the Yale School of Drama's MFA acting program. And they offer these really incredible online courses at pay what you can rates. Um, and it is um, black, indigenous, mixed, or people of color actor um, identifying exclusive. And they are really interested in subverting the white canon um, and helping young artists of color learn from teachers with similar experiences as their own because we very rarely see that. Like, we very rarely get to learn and have um, teaching role models who sort of share some of the same. Um, experiences as artists of color that we come into with and it's nice to also be able to have an opportunity to receive some incredible and very needed training um online in this virtual space that we now work in mm -hmm. um for not hundreds of dollars um because they also recognize that the arts are a very privileged space to be able to work in and offer support and training in that not everyone um, can afford. And so they're really trying to open those doors um, and help help do all those things. Um, in addition to these sort of private classes that they offer in personal training sessions, they also offer workshops um, and they have a lot of different um, alumni and friends that come help um, them teach all of these things. And um, it, yeah, it's, it's really great. They say on their website that they really strive for true inclusivity and diversity in their work. And I hope that um, more people utilize their resources um, because I think that's that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Snaps. Snaps to all these resources. Yes. And I Much love, needed. I love an accessible, I mean, I love accessible um, classes, like mm -hmm. take advantage. Um, and again, like Emily said, the, all of these resources will be linked in our uh, episode description so don't fret you don't have to write all of this down as we're talking um but yeah that those are all of our resources for this episode um let us know if you have any others that could be helpful um but now we'll move on to act two the interview So we're here with Atiyah Fortune. 
A native to Dallas, Texas, Atai began her training at Dallas Black Dance Theater and was a member of the Allegro Ensemble for four seasons. She recently graduated with a Bachelor in Fine Arts in Dance and a Business Minor at the University of Colorado at Boulder. She has had the privilege to perform several works by many esteemed artists in the Dallas and Denver Boulder communities. Atai currently resides in Colorado as she begins her career in the dance world. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. How's it going? How are you feeling? Um, pretty good. I'm in definitely the steps of what to do next and um, how I want to play those cards and trying to get myself within this community. <laughs> exactly. I feel that 100%. Um, just, you know, as an intro, I met Ty in, um, in high school, Lake Hill prep shout out <laughs> dallas texas um and you know she was one of the girlies so of course always love it um well let's just jump in with the questions um and just have a casual combo nice. um so my first question how have you stayed connected with dance and art in general during the pandemic obviously like things are hard and yeah. it's hard, especially hard for people who are engaged in such a like person to person um career so mm. how are you staying connected um well first i kind of prepped myself because throughout college i was always in a production no matter what semester i was always performing and so i was prepping for after college of like not really having any performances or, you know, stopping that rigorous uh, rehearsal process and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was prepping for it. But then with everything, it kind of just like, you know, it um, halted a couple months before I thought it would. So I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was going to be. And um, different ways I tried to stay connected. Thankfully, the community that I have here, I've had some people, shout out to Lara Ann, Samuelson, they um, they were a graduate student at CU, and I took a kind of like a school, uh, like a little session of just creating work every week. Mm -hmm. And so I would have to meet every week with Laura Ann and present anything. It could be from dance. I like to dibble into um, like collaging and um, video production. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to like find my place of where I want to be right. in producing work and that kind of helped me and I applied for different things the only thing that's a struggle right now is just like physically trying to do dance classes and keeping up with that training yeah I do want to perform but like yeah it's the training to back it up you know <laughs> like yes. so well, um also I don't know if you want to talk about this we can edit it out if you want but Aren't you My taking pole classes? Yes. Let's talk about it. Yes. Yeah, so um, I was actually interested in pole classes in the beginning of college. That's just been a part of my research in general at school. Um, my thesis falls into like uh, public intimacy and like what's um, breaking that barrier of like what is accepted in the public eye. Um, I didn't even know that. I love that. Thank you. I. I can, dive, I can dive into that, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> I have a whole paper for that. Um, but so 
I also enjoyed the beauty of pole dance. Like, it's it's really physical. It's very, I don't know, it's just very beautiful to watch. And so I was like, I'm gonna challenge myself. I wanted to do it. And it's a lot of upper body strength. And it's a lot of actually other body parts that you're like activating. Like my inner thighs have like- I was gonna say the thighs. I could not climb up that pole like- <laughs> two weeks ago and I got like two ups and I felt so proud of myself. It was so amazing. But that it's it's a lot of work and you have to give props of anyone that can do that. It just changes your perspective yeah. too. Heck yeah. And I mean, I don't I, I don't know that all people do, but most people, not most, but a lot of people do it in high heels too. So it's like, that's another level of challenge. Pole dancing is so cool. I love that. I love that you've like picked that up as a form of um like a an outlet wow especially during this time and you just yeah. she told me the other day she bought herself a a pole for her home so I'm like work extra practice and then also like side fear of like if everything shuts down again I still have like something to like yeah. go to without having to physically go to the studio exactly but I have heels okay. I bought too high of heels are they the ones with the platforms? Mm-hmm. It's like nine um, inches. They're oh so fucking, they're so big. I wish I can. At the end, I can show them to you. Yeah, but. yeah. That's scary. Well, I love that, and um, <laughs> hope it doesn't fall. I was saying this the other day. I'm so scared that that pole <laughs> is not going to be installed properly or something, and it's just going to crash. I'm gonna like panic. I need to put it in correctly. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, next question. <laughs> what are some of the obstacles that you faced as an artist and as a dancer because of your race, because of being a, a woman in the industry, anything like that? What are some of the obstacles you faced? Um, I mean, obviously, like, things are coming up right now within, like, the world, on the world stage. <clears throat> excuse me to do with like diversity and um race issues and like tackling those things and building up a better um world especially in the arts so yeah um within dance there's a lot of obstacles along with race because you also have to remember if you're trying to get into those like top dance companies you have to look a certain way even though you shouldn't have right, to, right. that's just what's been embedded. And the community is slowly breaking that, but that's going to take a while to get past. So that's like one of the biggest obstacles for me. Cause I'm like, <laughs> and then um, for race wise, it's, I would say one of the hardest obstacles is like creating work because we, you know, when you're auditioning, cutthroat for anybody right. it's fair game so that's kind of like you can somewhat put that aside but like creating work I've I have gotten the say my hair's down and I'm doing this like whole piece but my hair is like covering my face because I'm just like disheveled mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they people give critiques on my hair because my hair has such a like importance because it's like shielding and all that kind of stuff and I'm like right. that's not really what I was going for right. or certain things are interpreted differently because I look this specific way 
right now it's like kind of shitty to say it's like I can I create work without it having to be a race work right Mm -hmm. just because I produce it this does not mean this is how I'm trying to express myself as a black woman in Mm -hmm. America well yeah I just want to create work exactly (laughs) like you don't want everything to be so like like obviously you want to make it some sort of statement but it doesn't always have to be about race right but that's the that's slightly the issue that's the first thing that comes up yeah it's like you you look at the work and it's like oh she's struggling and it's like I could be struggling with depression and that's what I'm trying to get out rather than I'm struggling with the struggles of being in America right right (laughs) so it's um that that's like one of the hardest things and for myself to even watch work some people um I saw work at ACDA that's like one of the dance conferences that come to the colleges and some people produce work and it'll be like a black soloist and it'd be so powerful but the first thing you think of is oh yeah. oh and especially if you add text to it you might you know you might think of it differently and it's like that could be not what they're going for or it could be and that's okay mm-hmm. but it shouldn't there's, be the first thing on your right. mind yeah and there's like there's more layers to a person and a person's performance than just their race and I mean, again, obviously it's okay if that's like the main, it's great if that's the right. main um, point that's trying to come across in the, in a performance, but like it shouldn't be the only level that people are interpreting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really frustrating. I, I, I wish that people would look at things on a deeper level, you know? Yeah. Hopefully things will evolve and change and people will get more used to the fact that like there are people of color like doing performances that don't have to do with like their race and are they're not solely like surrounding that and if they are that's cool but if they're not that's that's great and it needs to be acknowledged as that um and there's also a struggle in like producing that work as well because you have to as the person, you have to mentally prepare yourself to listen. So say if I have text of my roommate actually has a piece and he has text from like news anchors, you know, mm-hmm. um, announcing certain things or like the text will have derogatory terms. And so it's like, how can you get yourself mentally prepared to perform that and make yourself go through that all over again? And that's also another obstacle you have to do as an artist. You have to make you, if you want to produce that work and make sure it's getting across, you have to sadly like keep experiencing that over and over again, even though yes, we experience it every day, but it's like, you're really um, sinking in to how it really feels. Yeah. And it's, and it gets frustrating because it's like people come after and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that was so powerful. And sometimes that's just not what you want to hear. I just want to, I wanted to get that out and I don't want to hear anything about, you know, we really should be working harder. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just let it sit. Just let it sit and you realize like what you, what you just witnessed. Right. That's all that really what people are trying to do. And then the other thing is, sorry, my first point was actually um, people are now feeling comfortable producing that work. So now you have to also, how can that work be unique to all of the other people that are showing their struggle 
And that's sadly what we have to go through right now. It's like, okay, it's another black dance. Mm. And that, and it's, it's becoming too much of a, a norm, just like how things are in the world. It's just like, ah, okay. I'm, you know, that's sad, but like, mm, yeah. Happen again. Yeah. That's a shame. I mean, especially because every, every person's experience is different. Different. And it can't all just be boiled down to like, oh, this is the black experience in general. Right. Like, um, man that sucks that it's like it's being so um like compartmentalized yep it's like it has to fit in a specific box in order to be valued and it's that's not really how it should be in general with art too like yeah I mean you could uh, like I don't know say there's a there's a ton of movies about like divorced couples you're not going to be like all of these stories are the same Mm -hmm. because they're uh, about divorced people and not all stories about people of color are going to be the same because they're people of color exactly i hope that people are more willing to see and hear all types of stories and all types of different experiences and not have to put them in a box Mm -hmm. um okay well back to you saying you're trying to figure out what your next steps are um how do you want to continue your career in dance like you were saying that you you are kind of doing some video production and some other producing and um that type of thing and you still want to do performance obviously so how are you trying to like boil that all down into like a next step obviously it's hard because again we're still in a pandemic and like that sucks but (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hard because it's like um it's for me personally I want to go the right path. It's like weird. It's like okay, my end goal is to be in art administration. Mm-hmm. Where? Don't know. Okay, so do an internship. I couldn't do internships in between summers at college because I was working to pay my rent. Right. <laughs> so it's like I can't um you know, if I lived in the dorms, that would have been easier, but I lived in an apartment, I had lease. So it was like, it wasn't ideal to do that then. So now I have to do it now. Mm-hmm. Some internships don't want you after, you know, you a year after you graduated. Yeah. But the year after I graduated, we were in a pandemic and you mm-hmm. didn't do the programs. So can I do the internship? Right. <laughs> but then if you're doing the internship, you're not in a job. So which one is actually setting the foot into doing that career but then I want to still physically perform I won't have this body forever so (laughs) it's 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 like which um which area can I go into without it halting my life later and within dance there's so many you know so many options you can do but it is still a lot harder right now because of the pandemic um of course because you know it, you got to go virtual with a lot of your performances or do auditions virtual but you're missing the key essence of like I can actually show you who I am when I'm physically there right. and that's um that's gonna really affect a lot of people um yeah, I do want to co- continue and dance that's my anything that I do yeah. it doesn't matter as long as it has to do with dance as long as I still have that part in my life, right? I can care less what the you know what the actual position is. Yeah, 
you know, ultimately I do want to do the thing, <laughs> but I wouldn't be upset if it was something else. Right. Um, yeah. As far as like the different um, mediums of art that I'm diving into, I don't consider myself a choreographer, but I choreograph things for myself. Mm. If that makes sense. I use it as my like outlet. I call it, you know, like my little art therapy little session. Like, yeah. If I need to figure out how to navigate these emotions and I can't like talk it out, I'm gonna create something and then it's mine. If I wanna, you know, present it somewhere, I can, you know, submit it if I want yeah. to. But um most of the art that I make is mainly for me. So I see myself more as a performer and hopefully an administrator in yeah. the future. I love that. I love that. I, I, first of all, I totally agree. I feel the same way about like, as long as I'm working in, I mean, for you, it stands for me, theater, like as long as I'm working in some capacity in theater, like I can do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to an extent, you know, to an extent, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I totally love like what you're saying about um, like you perform and do like choreography and that type of thing for you your art is for you um because I feel like a lot of people kind of struggle with that in art in all art um this is veering off of the question but I I I I always talk about that how like even in hobbies like it shouldn't be like for someone else. Like I like to paint, but like I don't care what other people are gonna say about it or think about it. Cause like it's for me. It's my therapy. That's that's how I'm processing my emotions, like you said, mm-hmm. that I can't necessarily process in any other way, verbally or whatever. So it's for me and it's it should that's how that I feel like that's how art should be i mean obviously like you can make art for other people that's great but like it shouldn't all be about that yeah and sometimes you lose the meaning of your art sometimes like sometimes it works for people if they just keep producing yeah and as long as you keep that rigorous um pattern going then you know it makes sense to them some people like to sit with months on certain projects because it has to have its meaning but if you are constantly producing for something I feel like sometimes you you can lose the connection to the actual work if it's that important sometimes you know you're just producing work to produce work who cares Eh, I made this drawing it doesn't you know it doesn't yeah I just need to draw like sometimes you just need to make something yeah sometimes I I am a person that when I make it has to I have to be connected to it. I can't just like make it and throw it away. Like, yeah. even if I, you know, throw it away, quote unquote, it's still sitting there and I'm still thinking about it. And I'm like trying to figure out what's the next step for that work. Absolutely. But that's me as my artist, you know. Right, your process. Right. Other people are completely different. And that's, as long as it works for them, I mean, there's no right way of making art. <laughs> exactly I mean that is like the whole point of art art is subjective there's no right way to do anything within the art spectrum as long as you're like being respectful I feel like um but yeah absolutely um well let's take it back (laughs) to (laughs) 
let's time travel for a second here. Um, my next question, this is going to be a doozy. What was it like going to a high school that, for people who need context, our high school, um, it was a prep school, a private school. We had 26 people in our graduating class. Um it was like a K through 12, but not a lot of diversity. It was uh, mostly white people. I think, I think there were of the 26, I think it was three black people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like five international students. Yeah. Like POC from other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side of that, so you went to this high school, um, and you were there before high school as well. Um, and then you would spend most of your like other parts of your day um, going to Dallas Black Dance Theater, which is predominantly Black students. So like, talk about that. What was the experience like? So it's very, uh, it's very interesting. Um, looking back on my time at Lake Hill, <laughs> There are certain things that I did not realize were those things until after I left and I was like, oh, that did happen. And it's like something that you really wouldn't think twice about. Um, But the switch was, it became a norm for me because I was at Lake Hill for so long. I was at Lake Hill since fifth grade. So I was like 10 when I was there. You know, I went. I went to a public school right before that, but in middle school, we had more black students. So it was like, it was a, it wasn't that big of a transition because I had at least someone to connect with. Right. But then you, you get into the norm of like how certain people are at that school. So it's like, um, you know, you kind of blend in. Yeah. Um, but when I went to Dallas Black, it was it's different because I felt somewhat disconnected from both places. Cause at Dallas black, most of the people went to school together or they knew each other in different parts outside of school. So I didn't have that connection with some people. Half the people went to Booker T. Right. Wish I would sometimes went to Booker T, but I'm glad I did it at the same time because it's like, um, my mom's biggest point was that she just didn't want me to have to fight for a position. Right. She didn't want me to have to fight for college application, you know, like trying to yeah. dive into college. For context, listeners, Booker T is a high school in da- in Dallas that's like performing arts based. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. I haven't went there, but I mean, all the students that come out of that school, I mean, top are tier, awesome. top tier. Um, but yeah, it was like a slight disconnect from both. But I kept myself so busy that you know it was fine. But then that going to Lake Hill um, influenced my college decision. I went to Colorado. Colorado does not have that many Black people. Right. <laughs> Anyone did not know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went to the school and I was like, oh, you know, I went to a school that was predominantly white. I think I can survive out here. You know, it's nothing different. Mm-hmm. It is very different. <laughs> And I, you know, I don't regret my decision. I value all the, you know, education I got from 
CU and the experiences that I've had. But yeah, it was it it just didn't it, it wasn't it didn't prepare you. <laughs> no, it did not. Um just come right out and say it. It's just like I ugh, it's like hard to like ah, it's like you got a taste of college at Lake Hill a little bit, just like a little bit. And you're oh, yeah. just like, oh, that's how people act. That's, that's like normal and it's and it's hard to um damn it's hard to language this some of my normal wasn't other people's normal and I learned how to explain that in high school but in college I was at the point where I was like you are too grown to for me to have to explain that to you mm-hmm. you should have some something some knowledge <laughs> you, should, you should expand out and some yeah. people still have not expanded out and I was not prepared for that Right. I was prepared for the experience I had at school, mm-hmm. even though some of the stuff that happened at school was not not great. Best. It's not great. <laughs> not the best. And I do value like Hill. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, institutions don't realize how much mm-hmm. they have embedded in there, oh, and yeah. I sadly and thankfully have learned how to just blend in and just keep it going until I can do whatever I want to do later that's just how I felt at CU like you know I just you know you just um ha 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 at really inappropriate comments you you know you know like you know what to to do to just like bypass right I mean, Lake Hill was so weird. It's such a weird experience going to that type of school. Um, just, like, speaking on, like, preparedness, like, it it's so difficult to, like, go from 26 people, like, in your circle than to try to, like, immerse yourself into a college, like, campus experience because there are a lot more people. <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah, I think like, I mean, it's it's crazy that, I mean, I don't know, out of 26, like, I think like having only three black people is crazy and it's only one black man too. So it was, it was, it's a lot crazier when you realize how we like decreased. So in eighth grade, <laughs> we had a lot of black students and most of them, most people came from um I believe St. Phillips mm-hmm. um and that's how they started the like yearly St. Phillips like tour right. with the students um because yeah. a lot of students would just come from that school and come to Lake Hill and so we had probably like a good eight or nine if I I hope I did not miss out any anybody <laughs> hell yeah we have about like a good eight people in there <laughs> so just like going from like eight to nine down to three it's just like it kind of like tells you like yeah it tells um, you a lot the experience like how you just want to like know yeah yeah and I mean it yeah it's it's probably it was probably really hard for the one black male in our class Brandon it was probably I mean for the three of you but incredibly hard for Brandon to like find his place because he literally had like 
no one in his like immediate sphere to like relate to yeah um especially people calling him like an oreo which is like oh that's fucked up to say yeah. <laughs> so it's like uh. but then also like for something that i didn't realize was a big thing for me was that since i was so immersed in like activities at school and dallas black i had no like other social life mm. so it's like i thought something was wrong with me because I wasn't dating or, you know, like doing random like high school things. And it's like, nothing was wrong with me. My selection was really just like Limited. not yeah. available. And it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, um, that left a long term effect on me as well. So it's just like yeah. small things that you really didn't think would be that big of a deal actually like trickled down later in life. Yeah. And I think like, it's it's so great that you had like Dallas Black as like an outlet for yourself to find like a community that was like you and mm-hmm. had similar experiences and um that you couldn't necessarily find in school. Yeah. I mean like high school's kind of crap for everyone but like that's a very special circumstance. Um but yeah, good memes good memory (laughs) um okay well um what is something that you have learned about yourself or discovered um throughout the past couple of months under these obviously insane circumstances like you graduated and you couldn't really do much but I'm sure I mean I've had a lot of (laughs) self-reflection not all of it great (laughs) but um (laughs) what have you discovered as Um, uh, uh, of yourself as an artist or even just you know as a general person um my so I'm working at a dispensary right now so I do a lot of retail and I don't like retail (laughs) that 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 position helped me with that helped me figure out kind of where I want to be in the career wise I like planning I like organizing I like to know where someone's going to be where they need to go and I want to delegate that so that kind of like helped me out (laughs) career wise thankful for my job but personally um I've realized a lot of different things about myself sometimes I give too much I my mom finally gave me my birth time, so I got to look at my astrology, you know, my little yes. chart. I've been asking for this time for like six months, and she finally found it last week. Like she, she was like, I don't know where your birth certificate is. She was like Sorry. nine something. I was like nine something. You're a mother. I was like, yeah, you should know this. Like, come on now. <laughs> I'm your firstborn. <laughs> firstborn too. So I finally got it, and um, so a lot. Three things on my chart were Leos, and it made a lot of sense because Damn. I. I like to shower people with gifts. I like to be there. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm very passionate about um, how my, how I am going to love on you, I guess. Yeah. That's like a thing. So something that happened this year was that I, I, I realized I do a lot for other people and I don't feel like I'm getting it back. And, you know, that was like a pattern, but I couldn't like figure out like really what it was about. Right straw broke I was like fuck that I'm sorry (laughs) no it's not it's just like you have to learn when to not do certain things anymore yeah and when to set that boundary I've learned how to make boundaries for myself love that how to um 
have more confidence in like doing things that I want to do. It took a mm-hmm. minute for me to tell my family that I was taking full classes. Mm-hmm. My family does not give a fuck. Right. <laughs> Just, yeah. Knowing, knowing your family, I'm like, they would not care. My dad was like, oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> He's like, as long as you want to do that, sure. But um, granted, there are like, you know, different layers in doing that with families. So that's another right. thing. But um, yeah, just having full confidence in doing things for myself rather than doing so many things for other people, try to re-navigate it towards myself, shower mm-hmm. myself with stuff. Mm-hmm. I deserve to go get my nails done if I want to get my nails done. I shouldn't yes. have to answer to nobody. So it's just like small things that like that. Um, yeah. wise, I know what I want. Like, yeah, I realize I, I can't just be like, well, you know, like, you know, people's lives are like, "Mm." no, 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 no. I have to stop making excuses for people. Right. People show you when they show you. And that's something that um, I've had to accept. I have learned how to accept a lot of things this year. And I am thankful for all of this learning. Finally went to therapy. That helped. Love it. Like, I, I had to stop making excuses this year. Yeah. You want to do this? Go do it. Yeah. And you I'm don't sure. Do it, don't do it. Yeah. And that, that, again, that like, that translates into like art as well. I mean, like, yeah. do what you want to do. Period. Do it. Yeah. I, yeah. Some of my work, I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? That you shouldn't have done it? You regret well, I shouldn't have done it. I don't, re- yeah, I don't regret it. No regrets. But, um, like, this is really a lot. So sorry. It's not a lot. It's actually probably going to be like nothing. So I am very interested in doing a piece in my bed. Oh. And I only want, I want to do that because I feel like that is the most, the closest to intimacy I've gotten with a person right. was only in my bed. Yeah. And that was my way of figuring out that emotion. Why can I get that level of intimacy outside? <laughs> of the bed right (laughs) why is it only in the bed so that's just like a piece of of work that I'm like ooh, should you even like put yourself out there and like expose that but like also who gives up we're all navigating something so I mean do what you want to do just do it I love that I think that's really cool because like it's a way to again explore emotions that you might not be able to like process in other ways Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a 10 minute improv, but oh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I like had a bad habit I have is leaving laundry in my bed. I just <laughs> fold it, I would just leave it there. And so I was like, well, fuck it, I have laundry. So I was like, in, in the video, I'm basically like, the laundry, you can't tell if it becomes a person or if it's just like a comfort space. It's like mm-hmm. I'm literally like cradling it and I'm like hiding myself in it and then I like come out and I'm like, holding and like listening mm-hmm. it's really interesting and weird at the same time you're like what listen but, <clears throat> excuse me i yeah i love that i would watch that 10 out of 10 <laughs> fun fact one time at in high school we had some uh, a little like coffee house where like people performed and stuff and miss ty <laughs> 
did a like a dance to like a Beyonce song or something and I cried. <laughs> <laughs> cried. I forgot I did that. I honestly suppress a lot of shit that I didn't like kill. I'm like, oh let's not never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget that moment. It was so good. Thank you. I remember that now. I feel good doing it too. That's me. Yes. Love it. You did mention earlier you're into getting or getting into video mm-hmm. and sort of expanding your creative sphere do you have any work like up online that we can watch mm. no i'm actually hopefully i don't miss the deadline um i i created a piece uh for one of my it was a performing voices of women class Ooh. and um Ooh, it was class. It, it was it was pretty interesting you it, yeah it was good um shout out beth anyways um i have a video and it's i can send it it's on my instagram actually i put the mirror in between my legs so i like walk in and i have the mirror in between my legs i'm like cradling it and inside the mirror is just like a whole bunch of different images that like collage on top of each other and then at the end i like sink into the mirror and like go and i was trying to figure out a way of like if your vagina could like talk and like have its desires that's one way to look at it mm-hmm. you can also look at it like a window into my soul like you can you know you can interpret it in different ways mm-hmm. and I still haven't figured out like you know the real true essence of the work um but it's something I was just playing with so that's something I can I was gonna say yeah, I, so cool. I remember that and I remember commenting on it because I was like oh <gasps> what is going on <laughs> yeah i was interested in body parts and different lighting and um i was smoking in there and i don't share that i smoke so like that was also a thing my brother like texted me and he was like you smoke i was like chill 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 it's okay <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh God. it was weird yeah that's funny i love that um and this goes along i mean a lot of your dance performances have been of a sort of like a contemporary modern style so my question is like what draws you to that is it the the freedom of the movement or i don't know what 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 draws you to that type of dance yeah so um i have to give a little bit background when at Dallas Black we have like the quote-unquote classic training even though that should be like broken down because training is training there shouldn't be like classical versus anything else because mm-hmm. that's like separating like um say uh we did international fusion so it's like um uh no I can't think of the word right now but it's um the isolation in the hip stack that um I cannot think of that word oh my gosh I feel ashamed. But anyways, that style versus ballet. There shouldn't be like a one's valued more than the other. And that's what I learned at CU. Dallas Black, you know, we were embedded in taking ballet, modern, jazz. You know, you got tap, you could do hip hop, you know, you could do those styles. Mm -hmm. So I was ingrained to be a modern dancer growing up. I learned Horton, you know, you like you, you, we dived in. Yeah. When I went to college, we were free, you know, <laughs> I can do, and that, that can mean so many different things in yeah, my, right. in, at my school. So that was a barrier I had to break mm. of this idea that it has to be ballet modern 
to like in order to succeed in the dance world and that is not true and I learned so many different styles and I'm thankful for all the styles that you know I, I learned because that's they all influence contemporary and contemporary honestly in the community is like such a um you can argue that word because what is contemporary right and it's such a broad term like what does that even mean contemporary ballet okay so you're doing ballet without the bow like the quote-unquote classic ballet arms you know it's like oh it's like without the fingers yeah so just because you decided not to stick to that you know that realm it makes it contemporary why is it contemporary it's yeah it's just like that's a that's a lot of people's papers that's Mm -hmm. a good one so I say contemporary only because it's like a mixture of different things it's fusion artists is like a good way to just like say it because it's like um if you watched my BFA piece, looks nothing like the training that I do. It's very gestural. It's like just like sitting and like looking and like moving. And it's, um, there's not much quote unquote dance. Mm-hmm. When you think dance, you're thinking a lot of movement and dance can be walking down the street. Right. And that's what I've learned. And that's something that's, um, what that's what draws me to it that anything can be dance and that it's yeah. accept, it's acceptable to do gestures for 20 minutes just as I can do 15 pirouettes for two so it's like um I don't know yeah just having that freedom granted I do miss you know going back to those roots of like the the rigor and like you tell me what to do and I, I got it like I got right. it I didn't have to think about expression as much until later in my dance training. Like I didn't look for how to improv. I hated improving when I first started because I hated thinking on my feet. I hated having to think, is this going to look good? Is that going to like come across right? No, just move, just do what feels good. And that's, um, having that experience is changes the way you're going to make work in general absolutely just yeah. going through that like if you've never taken an improv class it's just like oh you're just used to like step 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 how did you get to that step why like ooh, that's gooey okay now you have a word to describe your movement how are you going to explain your movement to other people without feeling it and like really investigating with yourself in your own body right yeah and I think I feel like going back to like the word contemporary like I feel like I in dance, <laughs> I think in dance, like, it's sort of a, I don't know, a catch-all for, like, everything, like, all types of movement. And I think that kind of, that, like, contemporary, like, in my head is just, like, what dance is. Like you were saying, it's just movement. It, it's whatever mm-hmm. movement you're doing. It doesn't have to be, like, rigorous first position, second position, mm-hmm. whatever. Which, like, the rigor of that is fine. Again, like, if that's something that you value and you enjoy and you find meaning in and um, fulfills you, then that's great. But, like, it doesn't always have to be that exactly, yep. structure. Yeah. Because that was, like, a hard thing, I know, for other people and myself of just having, like, being okay with having that, like, have the same value as what I do. Like, just because you're doing say 
for example, even though it's, this could be like completely not true. Mm-hmm. Alvin, you know, Alvin Ailey dance. That's yeah. something everyone knows. You know, the movement, you know, the type of people mm-hmm. that perform there. Yeah. Some people could not find value in something that I just learned or something, say like um, my professor Rennie, even though everyone loves him, he does house and hip hop on proscenium stage. You don't really see that. Yeah. And he's telling a story through all those styles. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like you, you saw someone get shot, but they're like popping and oh. doing all the things to get to that point. It's just like the storytelling is a lot different. Anyway, yeah. sorry, that was a rant. But <laughs> some people can find value in Alvin Ailey versus Rennie's work. Right. And they're both the same. They're both. Mm-hmm. They, they both have value. They both have value and they both require such rigor and training to get to those points so why not have that value spread across all styles yeah you're not just doing like nothing yeah absolutely yeah and I think like the word like traditional or classical training can be like damaging to that progress of like dances whatever someone wants to call dance like I don't know. I feel like traditional and classical, like, as words used in art in general are kind of, like, limiting and, like, just build boundaries that don't need to be built. Yeah, and sometimes it's the, you have to think about it on the business standpoint of, like, the audience. Mm. When you go to ballets, who are you seeing? Right. You have to market to that clientele in order for that company to, you know, make it sometimes. That's just fun you know you gotta get your money yeah in order to survive you know the arts right. don't really get that much support so it's like you gotta sadly give in even if yeah. that's not truly what you're trying to go for yeah exactly yeah art art has to make unfortunately has to make sacrifices for the coin yep um okay well i only have one question left and we ask everyone this question and you can think on it because it's kind of difficult. Um, but what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young artist like yourself who's trying to break into the industry? Mm-hmm. In dance, in art, in whatever. Into the industry. <laughs> I can see the wheels turning. Yeah, because my first thing that I also have to remind myself to do is network. That's one thing I would, that's one factor, one thing I would definitely yeah. say if you're trying to make it into any industry is that you never know who knows who True. and you have to network. Mm-hmm. Like one example, my professor Michelle, she does not, she's not a, um, out, most outgoing person she keeps to herself so like um you know networking is not the best but she's very successful like mm. amazing amazing work but um I think she was like talking to someone on an elevator and then like that person she the person asked her about this this opportunity and she was like oh actually I think you should contact my friend so-and-so because I think that work goes with this without 
knowing certain people, you wouldn't realize that your next opportunity could just be happening at that casual conversation. Yeah, in an elevator. That's in an elevator. Like, oh, hey, Mark Jacobs, I have a great fashion designer that I think you should look at. And it's like, what? Like, you know, it's just like, um, you never know. So you definitely should not close any doors. Um, one thing I also have to keep note to myself, I think I'm just going to give notes of like things I'm telling myself. I think that's just what I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm telling myself to keep all doors open. Mm-hmm. Trying to leave the state. You can't be picky. You're not, you know, you're just like, you know, you're limiting your opportunities. You never know if, say, I move to Virginia, even though I would not want to move to Virginia. Say I go there. I never know if two months in Virginia can actually send me to my next big opportunity. Right. It's like you, you never know. And that's the sad part, but also the exciting part about these industries. You never know. You never know what the next thing is. You just have to keep pushing through. Keep staying passionate. Even if your passion decreases to becoming a side hobby. Right. If you're doing a nine to five and you're creating work on the side, present the work. Submit it to different things. Still, like, you know, still find different ways to stay within the community because people end up not getting happy because they just didn't at least, in, you know, embed it somewhere in their everyday life. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's very important for me to have dance somewhere in my life, yeah. whether I'm performing or I'm working in the business part of it. Because right now, if I didn't go physically take classes at the moment, I would hate everything right now. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not immersed in it. I'm not looking at it. You know, I'm not next to people who also do the same things as me and they you know the commonality and all that kind of stuff so like yeah um the connection right and I would say um hmm yeah there's never a right path even though you hear that so many times listen you got to hear it 300 times for it to actually sink in (laughs) yeah and even, yeah, and the real thing of, like, there will be a lot of no's before you get your yes. Mm. That's a real thing. I had a... Oh, I know. It's a real thing. Like, <laughs> Lauren said that they produce work, a lot of work, and they just present, you know, like, um, submit it to different things. But the constant, like, doing it over and over again, just submit it. You never know. You never mm. know if they're going to say yes. But you should be okay with them saying no as well. Like, I wouldn't that's just me protecting my heart I would be prepared for a no yeah I have to mentally be prepared for no's and oh yeah I don't know if that's just like me trying to like you know not get upset for every no or just being okay with that's what's going to be like in the industry yeah no I think a lot of no's it's okay smart what is it what is the saying um hope for the best expect the worst yep so you can't yeah I had to let go of like creating a plan <laughs> girl I'm still struggling with that myself <laughs> yeah it's it really is hard don't get me wrong but yeah well love it I think all of that is very accurate I love that I mean yeah like how are you gonna give advice if you can't take it yourself so definitely appreciate that that's how you went about that um 
All right. Well, do you have anything else to add? Where can people find you? Oh my gosh. I am such (laughs) a private person. (laughs) Give your address and your social security number. Maybe the address. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. On Instagram, Taye T. um, It's just my first name and middle name. T-I-Y-Y-A underscore T-I-Y-E. I'm private, so I don't, I don't know, you know, I'll follow, you know, you could follow me. I'll, I'll accept it. I'm on my phone 24 seven. So that's not going to be an issue, but um, yeah, I'm working. That's another thing I've definitely have been trying to get into is uh, posting more mm-hmm. and presenting more. I don't, I don't yeah, like I posting. Say- I'm such a private gal. Like I don't really, <laughs> I don't want people knowing my business. That's just like, and so I get high anxiety of posting things anyways. I'm like, oh, my eye looks like it's like slightly off to the side. Like, oh, like small mm. stuff like that. It's like really should not be that big of a thing. Like, come on. No, I was going to say, I, I was like going back to your video with the mirror. Um, I was like shocked when you posted that because I feel like you don't post a lot of like dance stuff. So I was like, no. oh my gosh. <laughs> what? I get, I get very, um, I wouldn't say sensitive, but like. It's very, del- it's like personal. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, um, I had to learn throughout the year to just do work, just, just present it. And that was one of my present it, whatever people say, it doesn't matter. Cause it was just, it was just work. It wasn't mm-hmm. like something I was holding on to. Right. So, um, that helped. I'm trying to get to posting my poll online. <gasps> we'll see. Yes. We'll see. Didn't you post something recently? In my close friends list. Oh. See, that's like, that's one step. It's <laughs> one step to the You have to get public. into the inner circle. I'm honored. Right. I'm honored. So it's, yeah. We'll All see. right, well, love it. Can't wait to see more from you. Mm-hmm. Wanna, um, I hope all the best for your next steps because, girl, I feel you. We're both working reta- retail jobs and trying to figure out what's going on um so yeah thanks for coming on yeah thank you loved it and um yeah have a great rest of your night thank you awesome interview with Akaye that was much needed and so refreshing so yeah. much energy oh, I love that energy yeah. she's a queen I love her um, yeah absolutely <laughs> so now moving on from our act two interview we will be moving into our act three our questions and answers yeah. so for the first question we have it is how can you ensure that you are being an ally to your colleagues that are in marginalized communities? Mm. I think for starters, one, actively listening mm-hmm. and hearing yeah. um, your colleagues uh, that do come from these 
underrepresented identities and backgrounds um, in the theater world, and really not even only in theater, in mm-hmm. literally any sort of any um, capacity. Sphere. Yeah. Right, right, right. And yeah, actively, actively listening and hearing, and not sort of um, coming at it from a defensive angle. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, listen, keep your ears open, don't be closed-minded about anything. And um, I would also say, just like, even listen to, um, not listen, but pay attention to your own um, privilege, basically. Just Mm -hmm. check check your privilege often, because Mm -hmm. the more you do that, the more you recognize... um, uh, that other communities or other identities um, are not as privileged as you and they may not be as um, recognized or represented. And so um, that can be a really great way to um, understand and move forward with your allyship for your fellow people. Mm-hmm. And in addition to not just, you know, listening and, and sort of learning from what you're hearing um, from your peers, also making space for others and yeah. recognizing the space that you may take up personally and who is not um, being both invited into a space um, or welcomed, you know, like mm-hmm. very far too long we have endured a world of such, you know, white uh, heterosis theater uh, that is run by um, a very privileged um group yeah and there's one thing to be invited to the table but it's another thing to have the table not be a place not be a place that you want to venture into and there's a big difference in uh creating space um where it is warranted and creating it in a proper manner so that you're not just you know inviting people into a space that um is never going to accept them for who they are, even if, you know, you, you open that up or you feel like you're opening that up. No, yeah. 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 And another thing to do as well is while you're listening or while you're checking your privilege, your privilege, you know, all the, all the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, please, as you're listening, if ideas come up, implement those ideas. Right. It is so necessary to at least try them out Mm -hmm. that is a big part of being an ally and that is a big part of actually utilizing your privilege and creating a space and a platform for all of these communities and all of these people and and also like every single area and aspect of your production rehearsal process too we it's so hard to do we do it as well like I know personally I'm so scared of asking questions or like suggesting something because oh, I might look stupid, but <laughs> it's time to like get rid of that though. And we yeah. need to create a space where anyone can just come in and like and offer just a space to be heard, but also see like, oh, my voice does matter. Like even mm-hmm. if this idea and this suggestion is not set in stone and is not part of the process somehow, at least it was at least it was tried out. Mm-hmm. That's a very big thing that a lot of people need to start doing. Yeah. I also think one thing that I, it, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around as an ally 
is um like know your place basically <laughs> like um there are a lot of things that are going on right now uh, in terms of diversity and inclusion within all organizations and like of course become parts of those um committees and those groups so that you have a um you're part of the change however like there are certain aspects of like those changes where you need to um be mindful of um like the people in the, the, those marginalized communities be mindful of their actions and what they are trying to do and know your place in making those changes because you could be taking it a step too far or not doing enough like just be mindful know your place um and I think one more thing I wanted to say was um, try not to rely on like the people like um, in these communities for like approval because it's mm -hmm. not their job. Mm -hmm. It's not right. their job to like be like, yes, you're doing okay. Like, right. It's also not yeah. our job to do the work for others as well. Like exactly. diversity and equity yeah. inclusion committees are fantastic and those momentums are definitely needed especially in spaces where there is no sort of running on that but a committee doesn't do anything if it doesn't actually create some structural integral change mm -hmm. yeah marginalized communities and excluded communities are not your google search right they're not your right. they're not your encyclopedia mm -hmm. as an ally you need to do your research right absolutely and you can't always like act you can't act like a child like being like having your hand held through this like process because these are the like these marginalized communities and these people are the people who um have these hardships on their back who who shouldn't have to again hold your hand like right and not bear the burden of your learning and, and uncovering of of anything that you need to work through exactly. um, and just a little bit more on the sort of uh having a seat at the table as they call it mm -hmm. um there's diversity is very much spun in these different myths kind of that um racism only ends as soon as there are like fewer white people in a room or mm -hmm. fewer like um says hetero identifying people in the room like no that's that's not true mm -hmm. um that's very much an illusion of progress i guess to conceal um uh all of the just misogyny and racism and um everything ableism. that's yeah. ableism yeah. yeah exactly everything that's just um so ingrained in the industry mm -hmm. um and only through an expansion of the types of stories that you're telling how you're telling them who is telling them um who is you know directing them um who's on stage being seen playing them um only then will we sort of hopefully begin to see um a world of theater that is helping to hinder the white supremacy and everything that's so so ingrained in it in this craft that we all love um but sometimes very much hurts us yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah all mm -hmm. <laughs> like i can't we can't stress this enough really and there's <laughs> Also, there's so much more that we can talk about, but we only oh. have a certain amount of time. I know, we only have a little within, bit of time. Within this I could segment. talk about this all day, all day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, 
as we're gonna have to hold ourselves back from this before <laughs> it turns out to be like an actual like three hour yeah like three hours special a movie <laughs> a show. if you will a show multiple <laughs> intermissions needed of course a series <laughs> we will now move on to our next question love it with the respected time we have <laughs> um so our our second and our last question actually is what fundamental practices should we change in our field to include to include more diversity and equity okay we I kind have, of already sorry 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 go ahead go ahead go sorry. for it you're on a, you're on the move go <laughs> well we kind of already talked about this too within our first um within our first question mm-hmm. but it's not what i have to say is really not so much of a practice it's more of a literally like put some diversity and equity into your teams so while we're asking for a lot more accurate, accurate and representative and respective uh, representation on screen and on stage, behind the scenes is also very important, mm-hmm. especially with those higher up, oh, yeah. aka producers, casting directors, mm-hmm. administrators, Art- yeah, artistic directors, like mm-hmm. all of that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and it, it, although we can say like, please put in like BIPOC representation and equity uh, with producers and artistic directors in your companies and in your shows, they still have to do the work. It's not just like implement and put in the, oh my gosh, the like, oh, this is like a reference for from a BPM podcast, <laughs> wink, wink, uh, the token theater friend. Yes. Um, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's not a token thing. No, exactly. You still, need to put, you still need to put in the work. Right. And if you are in these positions of power where you have the opportunity to help um, open up uh, these chances for others, voices and others to have a voice, um, then really look at the content that you are creating and you're wanting to create and you're wanting to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at the playwrights um, you are calling their works for. Look at the um, shows that you are just reading and listening to yourself. Um, When you are choosing a show to do or to cast or become involved in, um, really look at one, what are the characters that are in the show? Um, what sort of um, characterizations do they represent? Mm-hmm. Um, making sure you don't have the tokenized character of color in the ensemble. We hate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and making sure that, you know, <laughs> really look at yourself. If you see a show or you have a show, if everyone in your cast is cis, white, hetero, actor like why like yeah. why do we need that do we need that i'm gonna say a strong no no absolutely not and it's not also yeah yes. right and it's not also <laughs> enough to just whitewash characters to put in um actors of color um or actors with the underrepresented identities in these very just tropey like oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah um one thing i was gonna say is um so this is more about broadway rather than just general theater 
But I think one thing that needs to change in the practices on Broadway is um, ticket accessibility. Mm, mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's Mm. mainly because the ticket prices that, I mean, obviously not now because there are no tickets to be sold, but- um, Someday, someday. (laughs) Pre-COVID, ticket prices were incredibly high and that- astronomical. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and and that completely narrows down the accessibility and the um, range of an audience that you're going to have and therefore- Mm -hmm. Uh, limits the diversity of your audience and therefore limits the diversity of theater in general and um it just it's so um like people think when they go to New York like that um like one of the biggest tourist attractions is Broadway but it it can't be unless it's accessible and it Mm -hmm. and if people who are not familiar with like theater outside of Broadway, like Broadway is the only um, touch point they have for theater. And they think like, oh, that's too expensive for me. Then they're not going to go and out of their way to see theater in other aspects of their life that may be accessible and affordable and really great. Um, Mm -hmm. And that again, just narrows down um, the audience and it further narrows everything to like this limited, like rich white audience that is like so small and not inclusive and not um what we want to see right and not the not the the audience also as we all know you know broadway moneymaker they Mm -hmm. put the shows in the theaters that will make them money and Mm -hmm. if those are the types of audiences that are buying the tickets then probably um, unfortunately, the shows that they want to see are not necessarily encompassing of the diversity of the world that we live in and all the yeah. stories that should be told. Yeah, yeah. and it, fe- it affects literally everything. And because- it's such a corrupted cycle. Yeah, and because mm. these communities, the- these more marginalized communities, people of color, um, because of systemic racism are more likely to be in impoverished com- communities, they-, they can't afford these high ticket prices. And mm-hmm. it's- ridiculous and not okay and um so that's one thing that really like needs to change like asap because that's some bs Mm -hmm. and with that too like this is more of this is my take on it too um and it this is for any person who handles any financials uh, of Broadway, you could think like, well, these ticket prices are pretty like inexpensive for Broadway. Keyword, keywords mm-hmm. for Broadway. Right. Mm-hmm. So get get out of that space right. and see because the biggest demographic of again like a Broadway audiences are those who can afford it. So if you're trying to make a more inclusive space within Broadway and put up these shows and hire these people, their communities want to go see them, want to go support them. How are they going to be able to do it if, like how you said, Charlotte, if most of them do live in poverty? And I mean, the whole like economic and financial 
whirlpool and nutshell of Broadway and just big industry-like productions. There's more to it too. Um, and there's, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. I don't want to say before ticket prices need to be fixed. No, it, it should like have already started immediately. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a lot within our system, within our general system um, that need to be fixed economically and financially in order for a lot of that to happen but for 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 those who are able to to make those ticket prices like how we said check your privilege and check Uh the privilege of your audience members and those you actually want to bring into your spaces new york is a wonderful space it's a touristy place Mm -hmm. it makes money because of it how can we bring in more people and make it more inclusive than what the generic already is? Right. Yep. That makes right. A new Broadway when we yes. return someday. A new yes. theater. Mm-hmm. A new Broadway. The marquee <laughs> in lights. The lights of Times Square. Just. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Love right. it. Love it. All can't right, wait y'all. To see change. Cannot wait. <laughs> yep. Awesome, y'all. Well, that, about that is does it. it. Yeah, that about does it. That's about it for for our Q and A for Act Three, and also for this episode. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for tuning in. Thank uh, you for listening and being a part of this conversation. Yeah. And again, for any any other questions, you can always send in your questions to us. Yep. The link to send those in will be in the description. Yes. Um, and another thing that's in the description is reminder our resources so go check out those resources seriously though yeah i just want to quickly say while our conversation in this episode about diversity and inclusion in um theater is over the conversation about this topic should never end and so don't Mm -hmm. don't be complacent and sit around and be like cool i've done my work right i've read the article i'm done now yeah no no. do not be complacent the work never ends. Anything can be improved, especially within this um, topic. Um, for sure, for sure. And I did want to just remind everyone, next episode, episode six, is our last episode. Shed a tear. I will be. Tears, tears. And um, so keep a lookout um, and um, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. All right. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Peace. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.